Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 650. Is there anything on the Nerdist community corkboard? Uh, I think, hey Chris, have you heard of that Mystery Science Theater 3000 show? Unfamiliar. Well, a gentleman named Evan Ishmael is working on an album with Mary J. Pell from that show. Wow. Uh, if you go to uh, maryjopell.bandcamp.com, it's an album called Songs in the Key of B-Movies. Excellent. And it's just her and this guy like rocking out singing songs about movies from Mystery Science Theater. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's why I picked that one. I don't know why that's so, not in my life already. Got anything else? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to. I miss, lost my phone today. Where, where's so I'm trying where's to your nap. phone? It's sitting in my house and I feel naked and alone and afraid. Oh, you're going to be okay probably. I hope so. Okay. Here's the other one. Here, I'll make it a theme because this was the other one I was looking for. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make it a twofer for Mystery Science Theater themes. Uh, another fella uh, out there named Chris, so you... Uh, wrote a book called Mystery, The Galaxy of Mystery Science Theater, 12 Classic Episodes, and the movie They Can't Lampoon. Or then the movies they lampoon. It's a guy breaking down the episodes and pointing out references and doing all sorts of fun stuff. Fantastic. It's like a weird... Like, it's like finding a nerdy thing and then figuring out a way to augment the already nerdy thing. That is terrific. Just got an email from a uh, young fellow by the name of Jeff Simons from Albany, New York. Uh, hi, my name's Jeff. I wrote my first collection of short stories. It's called The Idiot of Genius Land. Uh, people can find it on Amazon, or people can contact me on the Twitters at at hey Jeff G E O F F. So the Joff spelling. Uh, also, if people don't want to buy it, they can leave a ridiculous review of this book on Amazon. At the end of April, he'll be sending out three free books and prizes to the reviews he finds to be the funniest. I find this to be a fair, uh, a fair and appropriate uh, uh, trade for funny reviews. I'm going to say that I opened it up and just blood poured out. Well, if you want to have your uh, thing promoted on the Nerds Community Cork Board and you're a person and not a big company, even if you're a small company. Yeah. But it'd be weird if it was like, hello, I'm Tony Viacom. Will you please promote all of my things? Although my I name's Viacom. Dave Xbox. <laughs> it's pronounced Xbox. <laughs> Uh, then you can send us an email at events at nerdist.com. This episode is Brian Michael Bendis, who is a five-time Eisner Award-winning comic book writer. Can I point out a realization I had during this interview? Sure. I'm watching him. He's a man. He does not have the hair. Yep. And he has been trying to kill Spider-Man and Daredevil for many years now. He is the kingpin. <laughs> you should have told him that. I, I, I wish I could have said it because I, I had that <gasps> moment. Brian's a, a phenomenal writer and a, and a good dude and, and someone that – because he doesn't live here. So are, are just trying to line our schedules up. But someone that I would wanted on for a long time and, uh, and he did not 
disappoint. Mm-mm. Brian has uh, Powers now, which is a show on the PlayStation Network. Also, his book Words for Pictures: The Art and Business of Writing Comics and Graphic Novels. Um, even if you, even if you're not interested in comics at all, I feel like this episode will still have things in it that you will enjoy. It's not just, I mean, I wouldn't be, if you don't, if you're not a comic reader, I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to get anything. He's a great storyteller. And I think just the, the, the business of creation, uh, he has a lot of good words. He pushes a lot of the DIY. uh, And that was really nice to hear from somebody who's that big and powerful. And he does it very well. It's Brian Michael Bendis. Here's the nurse podcast episode number 650 with Brian Michael Bendis on comedy central. Good job, Kyle's. Now entering Nerdist.com. Microphone, unless, unless for some reason you find yellow to be a disturbing color. Oh, I got the green one. This is the only room that joke would work in. I'm the galaxy's police. What am I? I just, but but I can only make a green microphone. The uh, Batman and Robin All Stars, where they uh, painted the entire room yellow. Like Batman and Robin just painted the whole room yellow and themselves. And just smoke some cigarettes and run, but then take the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that'd be a really shitty thing. Look at this pee, though. (laughs) Yeah, just cover his eyes. We have a birthday surprise. Uh, I don't think you could. I feel like Batman's very hydrated. It's just gonna get more clear. By the way, that would be just me (laughs) having people pee on Green Lantern every. That'd be the event, the summer event. (laughs) Infinite urine. Green Lantern would not appreciate golden showers. Like that's the worst. No, yeah, one of the worst things. Maybe he just loves it, and it's. That's, that's, that's what a, tortures them. It's yeah. a bummer. I really like it, but the more luck, asparagus yeah. you eat, the more it actually yep. affects the. Oh, uh, wow. That's yeah. what broke up him and Ali Queen. So. <laughs> Listen, there's a wealth of things if you, you know that, that should be written down right now, but you don't write for DC, so it doesn't. It's not. Yeah, I pitched this. They didn't. They didn't, they didn't go for it. it? I I'll, I'll think I'll be hearing back from soon. <laughs> All right, guys. It's been, eight, it's been 18 years. I think this is. I think this Green is Lantern <laughs> gets yeah. peed on. Yeah. Okay, I know you're excited. <laughs> we bring in Aquaman. It's a whole water sports storyline. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, but there's a twist. <laughs> but now that we're talking about it, I would like to see Jason Momoa pee on Ryan Reynolds. I mean, I don't know if that's I think, weird. I think I've seen that on Tumblr. That must have happened I've, at I've, some I've, point. I think there's right? a Tumblr dedicated to that. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there is. I'm sure there, there is. That's a total rule 34. That's, that exists somewhere on the internet. Somewhere on the internet, Jason Momoa is peeing on Ryan Reynolds. For sure. You guys are probably reeling from the judgment that... Uh, Guys, Blurred Lines ripped off Gotta Give It Up by Marvin Gaye, and they have to pay the Gaye estate $7.3 million. Yep. Is it just 7.3? I thought it was 17.3. Well, the original suit, they were going for 25. Yeah. But apparently they got 7.3 well, million. Well, they You ripped shit yeah. off. You gotta pay for it. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, Huey Lewis. Yeah. Still undisclosed. That still, is still but that's that's so when you go. No, I'll just write a check. Yeah, 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 I'm not yeah. even going to argue with you. It yeah. just really. I just want that to come out someday. Just like after it's maybe after Huey dies, box or, or the with, news decide. It's in a box with the um, Harvey Keitel dailies from Apocalypse Now. Yes. We will never see them. Never, never happen. Someone somewhere, the president <laughs> is probably like the pre- okay, Mr. President. 
Here, you know, here's who shot Kennedy. And here's, here's the footage of here's what Keitel. the fuck Harvey Keitel did. And, and here's, here's how, how much money Ray Park Jr. had to pay Huey Lewis. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, like, all of it. Like, that's the thing that blows yeah. the president's mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how much money Huey Lewis still gets just off that. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, Jimmy Carter, he was like, I'm going to, as soon as I'm president, I'm going to release all the UFO files. And then when he became president, he was like, I can't release the UFO files due to national security. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what the fuck did he see in there? Where he was like, No, that's, you know, they have, the, they, there's, there's a website actually you can go do that. Shows the president the day before they take office. And then three weeks later, after they've been debriefed, uh, and they literally turn white like, a, like they saw a ghost. Like, their hair turns gray. Like, you can, there's, there's an aging. Oh of whatever, whatever so they, whatever, whoever pulls back the curtain and shows them whatever they're showing them, it's... It's probably like that uh, speech from Men in Black where he's like, that, you know, we're always a minute away from getting blown out of the sky. Mm-hmm. It's just that people lead, lead their happy lives because yeah. they don't know about it. Yeah. The Matrix is real. Yeah. yeah real. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. And then not only that, but then the president just has to live out the rest of their lives. No, you can't unhear that stuff. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they deprogram them mm-hmm. somehow, like, when they leave office. Like, okay, all this shit that you knew, now we're going to have to take some of it out of your brain. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why former presidents always seem a little wacky. Yeah. because uh, Painting their own foot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because they've had stuff. They've had their brains screwed with yep. them. But they've had, now they've now I paint dogs. <laughs> I paint. I paint. Paint dogs. I like to paint like presidents as dogs. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I think if George Bush started painting painting presidents as dogs, like big. Oh, he'll get there. He'll get there. You think so? Oh yeah. Just yeah. Give him a little. Yeah. It's just short run. What's the uh, now in the comic book world? Speaking of, you know, essentially plagiarized material. Yes. There's only so many. You're come to the right place. Yeah. There's only <laughs> so many. There's only so many. That's I set that up in a, in a negative way. I didn't mean it that way. Um, there's only so many types of storylines and ways that you can mix and mash characters. You know, at, at a certain point. What are the rules? I mean, I'm sure. You know, how can you tell? Like, okay, wait, this person definitely ripped this thing off from this. This came from this. This came from. It's this. tough. It is. It, we we talk about it a lot because comics in in general have a real mashup. It's it's a bastard medium. Like, it's there isn't one medium that makes comics comics. It's you know. Any kind of writing, any kind of art can be made into a comic. So you right. got like line art and photography and you know digital yeah. and anything and the writing. It could be screenwriting. It could be poetry. It could be you know purpley prose. It could be any of those things. So it's a mashup genre to start with, and then within it is all this like fertile imagination. So the good news is you get a lot of good stuff. Like a lot, you know, a lot of stuff is tried, but. Um, you do get a lot of stuff like, oh, I like Bruce Lee movies. I'm going to do Bruce Lee movie in my comic book. You know? <laughs> so, uh, um, and it's funny. Sometimes you'll see um, somebody will do like, uh, like a comic that's clearly beholden to something. Like right. they love The Godfather. And then someone will rip off them a little bit in their whatever their TV show and our friends will go oh my god you believe they ripped me off they mean you rip off of the <laughs> Godfather you, you, you know it's it's the circle of life they ripped you off it's, before you wrote your thing it's the circle of hack <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah so yeah but um but you do you just sit there and you go you just you know you look through stuff and go you want to make books that you would buy. You know, that's like the number one rule for, for us. Like, would I buy this if my name wasn't on it? If yeah. I was going to store, would I buy this? And But at the same time, you want it to be a new thing. Not you'll just yeah. buy it because it's like that thing you like. So you got to put it through. You know, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to really look in the mirror and say, is this a real new thing or is, you know. Well, like, and, then, and then wait, on top of that, 
John Cleese told a story, and he's like one of my heroes, right? Because yeah. he's so serious. Yeah. And you know, um, he told a story about how he wrote a whole sketch for Monty Python. He typed. He was sitting in his office. He typed up the whole sketch, and when he got to the end of it, he realized that he wasn't um, creating. He was remembering a sketch from The Goon Show. And it was only when he was done that he read it back. Oh, I saw this sketch. Peter Sellers did this sketch. I'm like, and that that freaked me out. Now every time I think of a new idea, like for Avengers, I go, Did Roy Thomas do that? Like I have to call people and go, Am I remembering this or did I well, yeah, didn't think of it? Sort of like leads into my question of like, so when you take over, like, and they're like, Okay, Spider Man, you do the do the Ultimate Spider Man, and then do you then have to go? Okay, uh, and do you have to go back and go, well, I need to look at every storyline that Spider-Man's done over 400 years. Well, that's a little easier because you're adapting. Yeah. You know, the, the job is to take this thing and you know, freshen it up. And, 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 and so there you just look at it and go, well, it's not broken. Yeah. So there's nothing to fix. Yeah. It's just telling the story. And I, I've told this before. It's like I looked at it like Shakespeare. You adapt a Shakespeare play. You put it in a new setting. You know, they put Hamlet in New York once, right. you know. Uh, but the truth of the piece doesn't change. The language of the piece doesn't change. Yeah. So, you know, and then I read one interview where Stan Lee said the only reason the origin of Spider-Man is 11 pages long is because that's all he had. And I was given like as many issues yeah. as I wanted. And I said he wanted to take this for a ride if he was allowed to. So they kind of emboldened me to like, I will do what he wanted. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so but that's why it was so interesting that the the origin story of Miles Morales is like a frame, basically. It's just like <laughs> he goes to his uncle's place and like I got bit by a spider, I got powers. No, but there's a lot of build up. Yeah, yeah I know, no, no, I know, yeah, I know, but, I know. But uh, but I feel like at that point it didn't really bother me because I'm like, yeah, 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 we know this is how Spider Man's created, so let's just get into the good. Yeah, stuff. No, we gotta get to yeah, we want to yeah. get to it. Yeah, and also like. Um, you, you grow as a writer. Yeah. Maybe you don't, you know, just because you can't take 100 issues doesn't mean you have to take right. 100 issues. But, you uh, did it in yeah. like eight, right? How many issues did you do it in? Uh, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man's origin yeah. was seven. seven so, yeah. So it's like, a, like 120 pages yeah. or something of an origin. It's kind of you know, it's, it's kind of a scary medium in the sense that, you know, if you're a band or you're a comic or you're – there's so many other mediums where you can go workshop stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not like you can – you can't really workshop a comic. Well, you can and you can't. I mean, it, it depends. Like, a lot of time you are doing it whether you realize it or not. You know, like, it's like uh, you have to make one every month. So we'll make this one and we'll make the other one better than this one. And so there is a, there's a version of that. But, yeah, but the audience expects a lot and they're right because they're expensive and you should be giving them – Everything you have. And so you can workshop privately. Like you sure. can do like exercises and there's a lot of sketch work and a lot of conversation between writer and artist where we do workshop shop it out. And then we have, you know, if we're working mainstream, we have like a nice infrastructure of people to bounce ideas off of. So it does get workshopped. So I, uh, but you must have like a close, you must have like a close circle of good comic friends. You're like, can you check this out? And you see yeah, we, we were, I'm very lucky. It, I live in Portland, Oregon, where everyone in comics good town, has yeah. to live, where it's mandatory that you live here. Yeah. If, yeah. So, uh, and like every Friday night, um, we host like a dinner just because if we don't make an, we're, we're, we're such shut-ins that if we don't make an effort, we'll just never see each other again. Right. You know, you know like, you know, you see I, each other at the next con. I got a PlayStation and a <laughs> bottle of water. What do I need the world for? So, uh, um, uh, but, uh, like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue are like, we're like family and Greg Rocca and David Marquez, who do ultimate Spider-Man lives in Portland and Mike Oming, who I do powers with lives in Portland. So, and it's, and, and there's so many others and, and we get together and, we just moved Kevin McGuire to Portland, so everyone comes to visit us and then they stay. It's great. I get it. You know, it's like 
the weather's just bad enough to keep you inside and working. But no, it's it, it's actually it's kind of like hype a little bit. Like our like Seattle's really Seattle's Seattle. way worse yeah. weather wise. Portland, instead of snow, we get rain. Right. And most of us lived in Cleveland or New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, okay. And there like you, go. you know, like all my friends in New York were like shut in. Like like my editors couldn't get to work last week, right. and I was riding my bike. And I, I was like, felt bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but it, yeah, you're from Cleveland. Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. I, we had lake effect wind. We had like 33 <laughs> below zero. I'm a bike rider. I'll take a little misty rain a couple of months a year. It's, it's not that bad. It's fine. Yeah, I spent, yeah. I spent probably uh, three or four New Year's in Portland just because I just like the town. Yeah, and it's also just very open minded. Everyone just does whatever they want and is creative and yeah. just expressing themselves individually. And no one cares who you're married to, and no one cares what your family looks like. They just everyone, you know. And uh, it's only when I leave Portland do I realize that realize, families are really I have a, I have a multiracial family. I have like, two kids are African American, and and we're just crazy. We're just we, you know, we're just crazy. And no, no one gives us a second look in in Portland. Portland right. But we went to Florida, and people were like the fucking monsters. Really yeah, unbelievable. Well, we went to Tokyo. And I didn't realize the racism that was into. I, I, I just was unaware of it. Uh-huh. And some old woman just came up to my little daughter and yelled "Negro" in her face. Oh like, my point, god! Like she was like three years old. She was "Negro." I was like, "Wow, yeah." Did, did, did she mean it that way, or was that just the I only don't English? Know. What if that's the it, only English word she knows? It doesn't matter. You One of her Japanese friends was like, "This is how you say hi in English," and then she was just trying to fuck with her. Uh, later in the trip, someone showed me a store at a mall in Tokyo that was filled with like. Sambo racist oh, figures boy. and stuff. Okay, maybe that, that's all they had. And it was a store. And they sold enough of it to stay open in a oh, mall. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. And I know it's not everybody. I know, I know it's not everybody. But wow. It, when you see the store, you're like, Jesus. And there were, you know, I don't know why I'm going to go off on this tangent. But it just reminded me that um, the other night I was, uh, I was talking to my girlfriend about she she was not aware that there are old Looney Tunes that are super mm-hmm. racist. I mean, mm-hmm. that have been banned. Mm-hmm. And we watched uh, the 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 one that they did of Snow White was called Coal Black, mm-hmm. and it's really. Well, I, I can up. take it back to Nerd Town for you because we just celebrated Will Eisner Week. Yes, this week. And if you watch this amazing documentary about Will Eisner that just came out a couple of years ago. They talk about he had some racist stuff in the spirit. There was a character who was a racist character, and Will Eisner was such a forward-thinking like genius that he revisits it. Like, why did I do this? Like, yeah. I, I just wasn't aware of how bad this was until he went to the army and stuff. And then later in his life, he did a whole graphic novel called Fagin the Jew about the um, anti-Semitic stereotype in Oliver Twist. Literally, you try to figure out how does a smart person not see this, right? You know, and so it's it's fascinating. I mean, I think you know, with with stuff like that, I think it's one of those things where people just never think about it because they automatically go, "Oh, that's a classic." I yeah, mean, of course, yeah. why would a classic? Yeah, because you're not you're not looking at it like if it came out today, you'd be like, you know, that character. I don't know about that. Yeah, you know? and to be fair, he built the character into something special, but it's it's origins and it, the look of it is, yeah. And it's ha- and I mean not only is racism not only the like t- the offensive part yes but also just hacky I mean it's just hacky yeah I just it, 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 if you need evidence of what the world was like 
You know what I mean? It, it, and you see it and stuff like that. And you go, Jesus. Yeah. 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 So uh, you were from Cleveland. Yes. And when did you get out of Cleveland? Uh, September 11th, 2001. Great. <laughs> Wait, what? Great day to travel. Wow. That's the best yes. day in the world. That was the best to day to travel. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I lived there for years. Absolutely loved it. I just returned for the first time last year, did a TED Talk and just, you know, just filled with How was your nostalgia. TED Talk? Scary, it's scary, dude. It ever, is scary. Have you done one? No, I haven't done one. It's scary because, um, like, I like this. We're talking. You yeah. know, we talk about whatever we're thinking about, and um, we do panels or like that, right? But TED Talk is a 25 minute performance. Oh, I thought it was 15. It ended up being 25. Okay. And everyone's ends up being 25. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, you're on the one, hook for 15 minutes? Yeah, but you have one take, and you're working to an AV thing behind you, and, and be, you better get it done. Yeah, so it was because that's going to live forever on yeah, the TED site, and it's it's a different um, set of muscles than I use. So I was uh, terrified, and uh, but it, it, it worked out. What was your TED talk about? Uh, me? No, it was <laughs> what they're all about. No, hey guys, what do I like? That would be hilarious. Mine was about um, you know they, they 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 wanted us to talk about there was a specific theme of the night, and mm-hmm. they were talking about. Uh, your environment uh, uh, affecting your dreams. You know, to, you you want something outside of where you grew up. Yeah. And it was, right. you know, we we're in Cleveland, and I would read the little boxes in the comic books. And as soon as I was old enough to realize there were people made these, like I wanted to see my name there. Yeah. Right. And and that the journey in Cleveland, like how, and it was before the internet and before, like how do you do that? How do I get? How do I get from here to there? And and it was just talking about that and. You know, Walt Simonson being so cool to me when I was a kid and stuff like that. You know, my goal really is just embarrass Walt Simonson in every medium <laughs> I can find because he was nice to me for five minutes when I was 12 years old. But, uh, um, but yeah, so it's just to talk about that and just talk about – because that, that it is the thing that I get asked the most about. It's that I want to make comics for a living. Of course. Okay, what, what, how do I get from here to there? I just can't they, – you can't even find the road, you know, and, uh, and it's so much easier now than it was. And so I sure. – but, but – I try to teach by example. Like I, this, I was you. I was you without the internet, so you can do it. And listen, if I can do it, seriously, you can do this. So. Yeah, I mean, it, I would imagine the path was a little more direct. Uh, pre, where I mean, I assume pre-internet. Well, you, you know, you'd send in your work to someone, or have someone look at it, or you, or you. No, it ended up being you go make a comic book, go make a comic book, and then make another one, and make another one, and get good at it, and either do it with your friends or do it by yourself. But if you want to be in comics, make a comic book, and poof, you're in comics. That's it. There's no, there's no, there's no moat. You just do it. You just do it, and you're in comics. And then, hey, guess what? You can also use these comics as your like calling card. Hey, Marvel and DC, look, look, look what I can do. And every single person that I know in comics broke in this way, whether they intended to or not. You know, people come to conventions and they bring their portfolio and they yeah. try to get attention. That's a one way to do it. But most people just said. F it. Are we going to swear? Yeah. yeah. And they go, fuck it. I'm going to make a comic book. Because who's going to wait around for you know, some dude, some right. assistant editor to discover you? Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make comics before I keel over. And, and then they become the other thing that you need. And like you said, now you can just do them and put them online. You put them then... online. Boom. Yeah, Tumblr. Tum- Mar- Marvel's discovering people off of Tumblr. They're looking. Wow. They're there looking. I mean, I, I found an old folder of mine when I was a kid, which... You, know, you come in that folder? What? You come in that folder? I could you come all over that folder? <laughs> Probably. Uh, but uh, I just asked if I could swear. <laughs> <laughs> just should have waited two seconds. But 
the but I but you know, I had that that classic uh, you know how to draw the Marvel I mean, you know like no the, I had the, it too yeah. I carried around like the Bible yeah and I, I and like I you know I have a folder with all these like oh here's me drawing Doctor Strange and here's me drawing Daredevil and uh, you know it's like I I but I liked much more cartoony stuff and so mm-hmm. comic book art wasn't really. It wasn't totally in my wheelhouse. Right, I was more of a child of Warner Brothers cartoons, Absolutely. and I, I like that. I like that. Uh, ch- I was more of a Chuck Jones fanatic. And they're e- they're equally hard to do. Yes, if you want to master it, they're both, yes, they're both equally hard for their own reasons. Absolutely, and uh, and there was also the um, Marvel tryout contest book. There was the, the it, oh you remember yeah, that? it was uh, you know who won the contest? Who? Mark Bagley. <laughs> yeah. And I was teaching art in a summer camp, and I found out he won. And I must have submitted like eighteen things, and I was like, "Curse you, whoever you are, Mark Bagley!" Until <laughs> like fifteen years later, you know, uh, you know, two hundred issues later, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you are you teaching in Portland right mm-hmm. now? I teach at Portland State University. Um, they just started a comics studies program. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can get a degree. You can get, you know, and, and uh, this semester is like the best class I've had. And, and that's what the book is a, a, an offshoot of. Like I arranged all of my theories and thoughts. Are you and, saying you wrote this book to make your students buy it? Yes. I said, <laughs> only, only thing missing, if I could be one of those guys who, like, you remember that? Uh, and next we'll be reading Faber on Faber. I'm Professor Faber. And you'll be reading uh, that's from the, was that freshman? I think it was freshman, yeah. So, um, but I think you, uh, you are uh, kind enough to only charge twenty four ninety nine. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I, um, I, uh, in my class, I use the Portland um, comics community and I have tons of guest lecturers. Come oh, that's in awesome. Because, you know, the thing is, there's no right or wrong way to do it there's no right or there's no you know in, in screenwriting there's a format and you hold to the format or you're wrong yeah save, or, the, cat. They'll throw, save the cat save the cat yeah you're, you know but even the the look of it has to sure. you know and in comics there's no such thing there's no um format so there's people and it's great because you can find your own way but it's frustrating if you're trying to figure out how to write them for a living there's no like there's no robert mckee you right. know what I mean? and so um I instead I show every, here's a bunch of different writers and a different bunch of different collaborators and they're all going to tell you their story and philosophy and you're going to pick the one that you think most applies to you. So that you know and that that that's the theory that's of great. it. Well, that like actually is, them to you know because my first question would be like, well, if you just have to do it, why do you need to go to class for it? But hearing that it's that kind of a deep dive of here's a pantheon of brilliant writers and artists and no and it's also uh, you know but there's basics that you you should know just as a storyteller like tell your story clearly right the the page like you know your comic book page it has real estate there's real estate on the page there's almost so much stuff you can cram on it yeah you know and and you you know that's the mistake you always see like even comics that are published yeah. like there's the word balloons shoving the guy's covering the guy's face that's a badly made comic you, the, the page. <laughs> Not only that, but then you have the word balloons and the internal monologue. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, overwritten or just or just badly designed. You can have a million words on the page, but if they're designed well, uh-huh. with the yeah. art, it's all in, in cahoots. So just teaching them that and teaching the basics of storytelling and act structure and you know themes and you know all that, all the basic stuff that you teach in any writing class, but applying them directly to the magic of the comic yeah. page. The invisible art of Scott McCloud of the, the spaces in between the panels and how you can control them. Can you write for a character that you don't like? Yes. You don't have to like them, but you, I'm empathize with their place in the world. Like, I don't, I don't think I'd hang out with Scott Summers. But, uh, <laughs> but I, That's the thing. I'm, no one would hang out with Scott <laughs> Summers. No, Scott Summers... <laughs> 
No only, one only dates redheads, so no I, don't one, think, I don't think anybody is going near Scott that. Summers. No, but but I empathize with him uh, tremendously, and I love writing him. Do like, you know when I was example. a kid, I used to he was I was for some reason Cyclops was my favorite. Uh, well, I guess he was the leader of the X Men, but then mm-hmm. what turned me off to Cyclops was the realization that he often will miss. But he's shooting with his fucking eyes. <laughs> like, how do you miss with your goddamn eyes? No, but what I like, I like about him, and I like about like Captain America is that when we were kids, they were the characters that would only have like little fitful bursts of interestingness. They were yeah. the most, most vanilla. Like he was the kind of like the most vanilla X Men, and now he's the most controversial X Men. Like you, there's nothing you can do with him without half the internet screaming at you, it's, and it's fantastic. I love that about it. Um, when you figure that game out, it, that it gets really exciting. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, uh, so so you don't have to like them, but empath- you have to you have to look at you know like Magneto is like the best villain because his point of view is correct. I mean, he has a he has a point. Yeah, of view. I wouldn't say correct, but it's arguable. Right, like you can go. I see why you think that. Yes, and there's a lot of evidence to support your theory. What you're doing about it is incorrect. Right. But, you know, when you see those Magneto is right t-shirts, they're talking about, he ain't wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if given a chance, everyone would round anybody up, you know. So. How much leeway do you have when you come in with uh, with a character? Like, how much do you go, well, I have to, you know, there has to be this much canon, or I don't have to worry about canon, or I can do, you know, like, how far how far can you spin a character off in your own uh, direction? Um, I, I have an editor, Tom Brevoort, is a name you've probably seen in the in the comics, mm-hmm. and he has an a- excellent uh, quote that continuity is a tool of storytelling like any others, and it can be abused, or it can be used beautifully. And when people are abusing it, they're like either leaning on old stories, like yeah. they're retelling old stories, or like, like, hey, remember the Days of Future Past? I'm going to do that again. <laughs> a flashback yeah, episode. Yeah. Spider-Man's all, trapped in an elevator. Happens all the time where you see like the <laughs> full page, like flashback. <laughs> they used to do that a lot. They don't do it anymore. But like you'd see like, every time Ultron showed up, here's everything Ultron ever did or said in the whole page. <laughs> and you're literally like eating up one of your pages, doing yeah. a, a greatest hits package. And, and, it, and it served its purpose more before there was like a recap page. I got it. But, you know, like Garth Ennis' quote about that was like, evil robot, move on. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to know more, I'll go find out more. There's, there's, you know, there's boxes full of comics in stores. I can go find them. Are, and, we, are we in a golden age of superhero movies or is it a bubble that you think is going to burst? It's not a bubble. Good. Um, no, I, I really, I mean, people talk about the bubble since the second X-Men movie. Right, you know, right, right. And you've right, been there right, the whole time, right, so you know. Right, right, right. I, like, what's hilarious, what we're, what we're seeing now is, and um, some people will, won't agree with me, but I, I know I'm right, is um, Sound like in Magneto. comics. No, <laughs> in comics there is some creators that have struggled to find mainstream acceptance, so they piss all over everything mainstream. Sure, but really, if they, if DC called tomorrow and said you can write Superman, okay, like, right, you know, and so there's that, right? And we're seeing the film version of that go on right now, where every time someone wins an award. They get up and go, fuck superhero movies, right? Like, Oh, like, yeah, like, yeah. That's, oh, James yeah, Gunn yeah, wrote yeah. a great response. Oh, did to, he do it? He wrote yeah. a response and posted on Facebook all about, like, you know, you can't tell me that you care more about your thing than that I, that I care about my yeah, thing. Like, I put as much work into the characters as. No, you but know. even more so, I would tell you that nine out of ten times, those person are ad- actively looking for work. At Warner Brothers or Marvel, doing <laughs> right. those books. So they're, they're but I'm not. I've seen this because this happens in comics too, where they want to write Batman, they can't write Batman. So fuck Batman, you right? Know? But it's and it's disingenuous. Some people really are like fuck Batman, but there, some others are just wildly disingenuous. And I've been shown 
some way out there creators who really scream so much you, you'd remember it. And then at the same time, they have a pigeon. And they think screaming, yelling, fuck you, Marvel, is going to get Marvel's attention. You know, it it they, does. The wrong kind of attention. It, 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 they never call. They never go, you really want me to go fuck myself? Or do, I, do you really like me? <laughs> and you're just saying fuck me? But it, it, that's what it is. So we're getting, we're getting the movie version of that right now. So that little bit of media backlash <laughs> yeah. is literally guys, filmmakers, going, fuck you, superheroes. And meanwhile, they're in line to direct you know, yeah, Justice well, League or something. I just, I just tend to think that – I mean you know, this is, this is a, a conversation that I've had many times with, with people. It's like there's a certain type of proto-nerd who's like, I fucking it's, – you know, it's like pop culture now and Comic-Con's just – it just used to be comics and now it's movies. And it's like, hey, you know, it's good for everyone the more people you can pull in. So if there's more yeah. comic book stuff out in the world than movie – like it gets more – maybe a kid's going to start reading comics because, oh, I saw this, you know, uh, Daredevil on Netflix you know, or whatever. And it- Guardians for sure. I've actually felt it on Guardians in a way I didn't even feel it when I was on. I was on Avengers when the Avengers movie came out. Yeah. But on Guardians, like I felt um, my like f- my my kids' friends like Guardians will make them read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really and it's uh, you couldn't you could write a a philosophy like a like a philosophy paper on why like I, you never figure out why they're talking raccoon with the gun is the thing that's going to get <laughs> kids like. But but yeah, it's fascinating. W- which things? What do you mean you can't figure out why? It's a talking raccoon with a gun. No, but like <laughs> kids why, love why, why talking. not Hulk punching Thor in the face? Like sure, like, I, I, sure. I get, I get. Uh, listen, I was one of those kids. Something I saw made me go, "I'm going to read these forever." Um, so I get it. But it's interesting how the Guardians definitely yeah. inspired an imagination. Like. A la when we were kids, Star Wars did to us. And well, we would just sit there and wonder, hey, I wonder what else they're doing in Star Wars. Like, yeah. there was no other, there was no, it's a good point. There's no side. Remember, like, uh, what was that, uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, whatever that, that book was, that Star Wars book? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They go, oh my God, a side story. Yeah. And more, more story with Guardians. They, they, there's a ferociousness of, of, uh, of people wanting Do you think it's more because that the, because the property itself was not as well known, I so, think that has a lot to do. No, with it does it have a lot to do with people it, but. are like discovering a new uh, to them a new yeah, thing. It's a Star and, Wars to them, and, and it almost it's almost kind of like you know, oh, you know, uh, Avengers. That's my parents. You know, like my parents' superhero is Iron Man, or you know, but but it's like this Gu- Guardians the kids they haven't heard. Oh, this seems like a whole new thing, and then also just James's sense of humor, yeah, and, for and, sure, and the for fact sure. that he hired funny cool people to be in the movie it's just like there's so many things about it that just connected at the same <laughs> it's, time it's fast there's levels that i get to, i get to feel yeah and it's fascinating oh this one that's that's interesting yeah 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 i can't wait to uh i i just i love that that was such a home run because i feel like so much there was so much um there were so many eyes on that in particular of you know, I mean, like a property that most people had never heard of before, and can you make a big movie? And it's you know because it flies in the face of the the classic thing that that the entertainment business always says, which is, well, let's just reboot stuff or let's make you know because people need stuff they recognize. Like they didn't recognize anything about this movie. They just made a good movie, and people yeah, went and the, saw the, it. The Marvel logo got people's attention, yeah. but it but it's got to deliver for yeah. sure. And the, when they they had earned trust with the logo. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, if it, it, but it had to, it had to deliver. I, I work, I work in the, I have, I'm part of the Marvel creative committee, which is we consult on all the movies. So we read every draft of everything. Oh, wow. Come in. And one of the ones that since the earliest germ of kernel of an outline all the way through to the final edit, Guardians was fascinating. 
Yeah. It, that, that, that one was, is this a movie? And it really was like, we're reading it. Is it a movie? Yeah. It, you know, because it is, you know, they could just go make Iron Man 4. It'd be fine. Yeah. You know, but but I love that they went. Are you still reading Jurassic of Ant-Man? What's going on? Uh, no, we're past Ant-Man. Oh, no, no like, I know. It's just yeah, the no. script took so long, it seems. I read a lot of Jurassic of Ant-Man. Uh-huh. I, I was, because that was very early. So that, that went on for years. Yeah. And not every single week, yeah, but, sure. but like... Every every few months, I'm like, boom, there's another Ant Man draft. I'm like, there's another Ant Man draft. And then, uh, but uh, but yeah, no, we're working on stuff that you haven't heard of yet, or 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 yeah. There's a fourth phase. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. That's the awesome. Civil War is next, and oh, that, God, that's I a lot wait. of fun to read. I can't and it's wait. Marcus and McFeely, and they're really good writers, and yeah. they're fun to read writers. So that's uh, that's it's true. There are writers who are not fun to read when there are some no, writers who and are good super scripts. fun to read. There's there, Joss is really fun yeah. to read. You ever read a Joss Whedon yeah. script or an Aaron Sorkin script? They're yep. just fun to read. But there's other things when where it's, it's a fine script. It's just not a you yeah. know. It's just yeah. It's 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 job. You're just turning the page to get. Th- you're just trying to get through it. Yeah. And when you have a fun, when someone who writes fun, you just you, wanna you keep realize you're paid. 80 pages in and you didn't even notice. Yeah. That's that's a yeah. great script. That's yeah. a lot of fun to read. If you're not. Uh, I mean, what do you do when I, I always like to ask writers this question? What do you do when you're stuck and you hit the wall and you're like, I don't want to write another panel of anything, but I have to because I have a deadline. And I, I mean, is- well, it's a mix of neuroses, um, uh, <laughs> obsessive compulsive, something my mother said when I was a kid. I don't know, but I, I don't get writer's block, but I, I, the reason I write so many different titles at once is because I write if I if the Spider Man wells dry, I'll just do Guardians. You know what right. I mean? Or if I go take a shower and all of a sudden this line of dialogue I've been searching for for two years finds its way. I'm 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 doing powers. I thought I was going to do that today. I'm going to do this today. So I, I create a situation where it's almost impossible to have total writer's block. Yeah. Right. All, you know, I'm working in four different genres at once. So whatever mood I'm in. Do you ever keep, like, sometimes what I do if I'm working on a bunch of stuff at once is I will keep all the documents open on my desktop. I do. I have literally six just, or seven scripts. I click back and forth, and it's the, it, that's the best. That's my advice to anybody out there. No, I just leave the files open. Just, just remind write. me. you got more shit to do, man. So yeah. just don't, you know. I bounce. I bounce yeah. back and forth. I, I don't it's, bounce. Oh. I'll, I'll get into the zone, and then I'll suddenly stop yeah. and be in another zone. But, uh, yeah, you know what I found? I found... Um, uh, because Powers is out, and um, this, you know, we're done on our uh, our work on the season. So it's like the Powers folder was a big mess. It was just like it was like all documents and outlines, and so I was arranging all the Power stuff and was mixing with all the comic book stuff. So I was putting everything away in its little folders, and I came across a file from 2004 that said Powers Murder Ideas, and I opened it, <laughs> and it was literally like 25 things I thought of that I just wrote down while they were in my head. And ninety percent of them were solid. Like, like I was like, it was like a like a time capsule. Go you! I never. I, I almost started to cry. I'm like, they were good for the show or the book. I was like, hey, future Brian, I have a present for hey, you. Really? It's like, a, yeah, I, I never had that experience before. Like, usually I see some, I see some old file open up and go, that's. Ooh. There's a reason I didn't follow that. It's two and a half more seasons, PlayStation. You hear that? Yeah, I know. I was, I was, I couldn't believe. It. I've never had that experience before. That's awesome. It literally like, and I don't remember writing them. I don't. I have no recollection of, of making the file. That's why it's good to write down every every I, fucking idea. You will always day. forget them if you don't write them down. You write them down the second you think of them. Even yeah, you know, ten years later, I'm like, Phew. <laughs> because you know what you learn. I think what you learn is that. Uh, 
sometimes your brain's not ready to flesh out an idea. So if you have a nugget of something, you might have to live for a few years before it contextually makes sense. Like before you have the right resources to to draw it out. Yeah, and I and I've learned like everything to its own time. Like every, every everything will find its time. And even when you put it out and you realize, oh, this wasn't the time I shouldn't put this out. <laughs> but but you know, your your brain will tell you when it's time. Yeah. Yeah, at least it's time for you to right. work it out, yeah. Uh so you started in crime. Started in crime. Yeah, I I um I just fell in love with the look of film noir. Some of it has to do with I have a Eye issue called keratoconus, which makes light very interesting in my world. Really? And yeah, and um, and I just like heavy shadows. I see the world in heavy. Sh- I see things like Gordon Willis lit them, and um, <laughs> uh, it's true. And that's uh, kind of awesome. It is, and uh, like uh, originally, I just thought that's what the world looked, and then uh, oh, I have a problem. <laughs> and but it's like your your corneas are shaped like a like a football a little bit. They're like protrude out of like you can see a giant. Contact takes over my. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It masters it down so I can I can see like a person, but uh, without it looks like I'm looking through a coke bottle. Oh my but gosh! With heavy noir shadows, and I and I, but I was so uh, taken to John Alton and Gordon Willis and all these because of it, and uh, and I and learning the rules of film noir just drove me nuts, and that was like the the '90s in total yeah. for me. Yeah. Wow, they're using a disability to, to. I didn't know it at the time. Afterwards, I went, <laughs> "Oh, that's interesting." Hmm. Yeah. Dude, were you just with someone one day? Like, you know how the world is is draped in shadows? Like, no, no. I I was somewhere, and uh, a light just the, my eyes saw just like streams of light coming off of it, and I, even I went. J.J. Abrams hasn't even directed a movie. Yet. How, am I, how, am I, how am I seeing this? And uh, and uh, yeah, so and I went and checked it out. I'm like, maybe I can't see so well. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And well, that, it was fixable. It's fixable, but uh, I'm fine. And lens it, flares. So they, do they? I just don't. You're not a lens flare. Fan. I the see problem, them. The so when I the movie makes me happy because I see every movie looks like that. To that's me. fantastic for yeah. you. But I mean, it just takes. You just—it's just a reminder that you're looking through a lens of something. I'm a uh, anyway. Conrad Hall fan, so it doesn't bother me. You know, it's it's that too, and then also um, it's when there's a blood splatter and you see it hit the lens too. Yeah, so yeah. Like, like on on other yeah. stuff too. But I and I can never decide if it takes me out of it or if I think it's <laughs> because it does it does help convey the idea. Like if you were. If that was your perspective, if you were there, you, you would get blood on your face. Yeah. There's a great movie that I actually show in class called Visions of Light. It was made by the American Cinematographers Institute, and it's an amazing documentary on cinematography, which is how to tell pictures with, uh, how to tell stories with pictures. And in it, they they focus on uh, all the great cinematographers. And the first person to ever put a movie out that had the lens flare on it was Conrad Hall in a Western, and he'd have like he had the the light hit the lens and yeah. it flared. And normally the um, the studio would go, oh, you have to go back and reshoot that. There's a mistake. And he went, yeah, but doesn't it make it look hot? Doesn't it make it look like the sun's beating down? And it was the first time that mistake became like a valid choice of storytelling. Oh, so wow. The, the, the history of the lens flare. Yeah, that's Nerds. A, yeah. a little accidental. A little accidental. Yeah. Do they show uh, Koyanaskatsi? 
What's that from? Koyanis Katsi? What's that from? It's just this it's just this movie. How would you describe Koyanis Katsi? It's basically like this weird cinematic cross-cultural. There's no dialogue in Philip it. Philip Glass does the soundtrack and it's a lot of like fast motion pieces. Oh, I've never heard that word said out loud. I know <laughs> I've seen the letters. I think they even say it in the yeah, movie too yeah, when they're the, going the Koyanis Katsi. Swear to God, I've yeah. never heard that word it's out loud. Koyanis Katsi. <laughs> you have seen it. <laughs> I'm so upset. I didn't know some moving did someone movie. die on a keyboard and all these letters just <laughs> <laughs> well what he was writing was Koyan Eskazi I guess yeah. they, when he passed away <laughs> yeah it's a, there, there's a couple of them but that that's that's a movie that uh, there's three yeah, yeah and yeah. and you and you really can sort of in without narcotics just trip out to it yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, at yeah. the same time you see it on a that's big screen funny. it is uh, the uh, um, is that how you would describe comics as telling stories with pictures or what? Well, yeah, you're, it's a visual medium. So, and um, some writers make that mistake. They, they, they lean on to their hard work of a writer, writerly writer, but you're supposed to be writing for your artist or for yourself, the artist, to tell the story as clearly as possible. Right. So, you know, um, when people write their scripts, they forget it's a letter to your collaborators. That's all it is. And in film, that it's it's hundreds of people, so it's very structured. And uh, but but for in comics, it, it might be one other person. It might be just you. It might be uh, it, total. It's five people. Yeah. Like it's never more than your editor, the le- colorist, the letterer, you know, all, all that. So I, I uh, uh, focus on that. Like what your job is to write things that your artists will want to draw and will be inspired to draw. Yeah, and on the best day, you're giving them stuff that just. Oh, it brings out the best version of themselves. I know it's slightly different medium, but John Kay always had this uh, had this um, notion that uh, uh, that animation shouldn't that you shouldn't over. He said basically, if there's if you know if you can shut your eyes and know exactly what's going on, that's animated radio, which is not what a what a cartoon should be. Yeah, do it's you, the Ricky Gervais show on HBO. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to watch it, but it's recording. but it's yeah. but it's hilarious. So yeah. do, do you find that it's the same thing with comics that you feel like it, it it you shouldn't be able to know exactly what's going on just you, by reading it's, it? It's opposite. You should be able to, on some level, be able. They said the perfect comic book page. You don't need any words on it. That, that you can tell what's happening just from the storytelling, and that's also just a great artist at the height of you know picking the right camera angles for every piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you look like Jack Kirby. Uh, original artwork, you don't know what's happening, but you know what's happening immediately just by looking at it. Do you ever do? Uh, do you ever do weird personal challenges where you're like, "I'm only going to write X amount of dialogue in this particular issue just to see"? Yeah, I've, I've done silent issues. I've done you know prose. You know, I do. I do. I I, I play with that a lot. It does upset some people. <laughs> That's a lot of words. And, you know, uh, my letterer is ready to come. But I, I try different things because I'm interested in different things. I grew up Howard Chaikin and P. Craig Russell and they would try different stuff and they would break up the pages in a different way. It was exciting to me. I got excited. You know, so I, I try it where I can. And sometimes you try it in a mainstream book that has not had a history of that and it does throw people because they're just not used to it. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's the stuff you remember the most. How fucking lucky are these kids that they get you as a teacher, like a guy who is a legit working... I, I, I thank you. I, 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 I'll tell you a thing, but I, I got the... I, I started doing it. Diana Schutz, who is um, the executive editor of Dark Horse Comics, who had been teaching for a lot of years, and she would have me come in and guest lecture. And... I, I would I would truly love it. I, I, I would I, I would love it. And um, 
when Portland State was looking to get this set up, she she knew I had like four kids and eight full time jobs. And <laughs> she goes, bully him into doing it. He used to do it. And I'm thrilled glad she did because it's very fulfilling. And it, 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 it forces me as a writer to stay at the basics because mm-hmm. you're teaching basics. Yeah. And that a lot of times when you're off being super clever, you, you th- throw them out the window to, to, to the adverse of your story. It just screws up the story that you forgot your act break. You know? and, uh, and so having the basics in front of me all the time has been very helpful in this stage of my life. And, and yeah, and it's exciting when one of your students – finds their way, you know, I had a couple of students already make a name for themselves and it's, you know, I take full credit for it. All of that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I do, I absolutely love it. And I also said, boy, would I have loved, and this goes back to buying a book that you would, would you buy this book if your name wasn't on it? Right. When I was coming up and you're talking about my Ted talks about this too. I wanted someone to teach this class. This is the class I wanted. I wanted someone to sit down and here's everything, figure it out. Right. And so, so yeah, so it had to go with that philosophy. I would want this class, and I have to, I have to, I have to teach it. And I'm in this position where I can get everyone to come in: Greg Rucka and Matt Fraction, and Kelly Sue, and come in and and you know, give them the Glenn Gary Glenn Ross speech every week. Yeah, absolutely, you know, so, <laughs> caddies are for closers. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, yeah, it, it was. I, I'm so glad I did. And then it it brought me to doing the book, and um, I'm so glad I did that too because it just. You know, we're op- in our comics community is global now. It's global, so I hear from everyone all the time, yeah. day and night. And this is these are the questions I get all day. Well, sharing knowledge is like the. I think it's one of the most important things that you can do rather than, no, I got my seat. I mean, everyone has like probably little tricks. But the comics, it's historically people don't share. They, they, they feel right. – uh, well, we found like not my generation at all, but the generation like in the 80s, like um, they Neil would Adams. never share <laughs> – Neil Adams. They would never share their, their – um, no, there was an interview where someone asked um, John Byrne about process and he wouldn't answer it. And it really felt like – do you think like we're going to see through you? I mean, you like we, you know, <laughs> like 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 they're, they're, they're scared they're going to be found out or something. And I and and uh, my generation completely abandoned that. We're like share, share, share. Yeah, because everyone's yeah. going to bring their own thing to it. It's like Absolutely. Gordon Ramsay can tell you how to make a cake, but it's not going to be exactly yeah. like Gordon Ramsay's cake. Like you're going to. Well, bring... he's not a baker. You'd probably want to listen to something else. <laughs> no, but Christ, no, it, but it is a thing that people immediately assume they think I'm teaching a how to write like me class, and right. I couldn't be less interested in that. First of all, it's kind of my thing, right? And I don't need the competition, <laughs> right? Like me, so I, uh, it's, it's not. I don't want that. I want you. You're on a path, and I want to help you, you know, figure out the most out of your path. That's yeah. the thing is yeah. teaching at, is teaching people not here do do X and then Y. It's fine, you know. Here, here's how you can find your own voice. Here's, there's, there's certain questions you can ask yourself or things, exercises that you can do. To yeah. keep expressing who you are and find out who that person is, and you might have influences at some point, and you might, might start off copying someone. Uh, you know, in my case, it was like, oh, I'd start off trying to copy Chuck Jones, or which is very hard. But in broadcasting, who do you think you were uh, influenced by? Oh, interesting. Um, broadcasting, uh, uh, Carson, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Kinnear, to an extent. Um, I can see the Kinnear. Uh, the you know K- Kinnear was really uh, Letterman, Letterman for, for sure. sure. For sure. Um, 
um, before he got cranky. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Carson. Well, at least was, he's self-aware cranky. It's yeah. not like he's cranky doesn't know it. He's I like a, a, I like a cranky Dave Letterman. You like, yeah, you like yeah. A, a cranky Letterman. Yeah. We're we're about to see. I think the next six months of 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 him just telling everyone what he really thinks of them. I, I think we're wait. we're about a week away from I him going. Wait. Every every guest is going to be like, I never liked you. <laughs> I don't, you don't smell good. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> like remember the one that the uh, Letterman let um, Paris um, uh, Paris Hilton yes. have it. Yeah. yeah, he's in there. He's waiting yeah. to come out. He's got nothing left to lose. It's very true, and I, I think I, I wonder if it's even sunk in yet that it's. I mean, he's what two a month and a half away, six weeks away. Is it that far away? I, I think April. Farther. I think April is well. Stephen's not taking over Until for a little while. September, I think. But I but I think they stopped doing um, first run episodes like around April, and then they'll just. Oh, let me ask you. So when do you start on the Daily Show? <laughs> I'm not see what I did over there. The Daily see what show. I did. Listen, I, that's a very sweet thing for you to say. I personally. Uh, would suck at the Daily Show. Oh, I, I just, you know what it is? I don't have a passion for politics. Oh, that's okay. That I can, and yeah, so yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, if it was me, I'd just be screaming at the camera like, ah, we're all burning. <laughs> What's gonna happen? Can you believe what this fucking guy says? This isn't funny. Yeah, fucking guy, this, you guys, yeah. this is. I oh, just take I a cyanide it. pill on camera. I <laughs> to God, they do guest host weeks, and we get to do one with you. I would love to see oh my. you just screaming into the camera. <laughs> I don't know how did John do this for fifteen years? Is it time for funny. the guest? Is it time for the guest? Bring Kilborn back. Yeah. This, is, this isn't funny. This, this isn't funny. funny. Yeah, this guy said that, and this guy said that. You guys see The Walking we're, Dead? That was three days ago. <laughs> Not as scary as what's really happening in the world. Not as scary. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the Daily Show. Show is and and sec- and also who wants to follow John? Like it's like no, it a- is yeah. That's the show. You, you're just not. Yeah. I mean, you know when when John followed Kilborn, I'm sure there was a little bit of waves, but it's not like Craig. Craig had only been on the show for a few years, so and he wasn't like. You know, it was. I watched the show. Right. It, yeah. it was snarky and fun, but right. it, it, it did not hit a level. You know that, and, that John had. Hit. And John also had the luxury of being. In a pre-social media era yeah. where not everything he did was under a microscope and, and he was allowed the freedom to find it. Sure. You know, and then he, he found it pretty quickly. But he also had a couple of shows to start. I mean, he, yeah. he had a lot of practice. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, I think I think mechanically I could do it for sure because I've, I've hosted shows for 21 years and it's I, I know how to get into the DNA. I know how to get into the molecules of a show, but I but I think it's really important that you have the passion for your source yeah. material. I mean, I'm not joking. I don't think Fox News is funny. I don't think it's funny at all. I think it's scary shit. <laughs> it is scary. And I would have a hard time every day coming up with an angle day, to every, laugh at it. I mean, like five days a week. Yeah, to laugh or four at to, it. Or four days a week. Days. Not to quote John Cleese again, but I actually wrote a story about this in a comic book years ago, but he was taught, he used to, he did a book with um, his, his therapist and they were talking about how um, when you're young, everything's hilarious because it's just, you know, anarchy. It's, you know, fuck them and fuck this. And, and then when you get older, you realize it's never going to change and it's not funny anymore. Was this the most recent book that he did about no, his mom? No, yeah, no. Yeah, this, is, this is like he 20 years ago. He talked about it on our ago. show. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. He say, yeah, yeah, but this book rattled me because you talk about uh, you get to a certain age and you realize the world's fucked and it's not funny. And no one's changing. No one's helping. No one's changing it. And that's when you stop writing jokes. I'm like, oh, and that's why old people get grumpy. Oh my god! But I was like, oh my, oh, holy shit. that's really upsetting. I was like in my 20s when I read it, and I was like. Oh, <laughs> that really bothered me. You goddamn kids! Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think part of I think part of what makes that happen is when you're young, you're you're most of your actions are fueled by the sex fog. 
Yeah. You're supercharged up and you're just, you know. And then no, but you're also like, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. I'm here. Guess who's here? Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah. here and I'm going to make it better. They're re- you're, ready to, you're ready to to uh, supplant the, the current ruling class. Mm-hmm. Then when you finally become the ruling class, it's the fog is gone and you're tired. And, you know, it's and, okay over here. That's, yeah. that's all right. No, this is yeah. fine now. Yeah, We're exactly. not there yet. Yeah. I'm just saying it will happen at some point. <laughs> no, I mean, when you, when you get to it, oh, like, right. you're like, all right, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, but I but I do think it's a you know, and maybe maybe that's where Letterman's at now, where he's like, "There's nothing funny." Well, that, that story he told when he announced he was going off the air. Did you? you no, what was it? No, he said that he, um, him and his kid had gone fishing, and that they found a fish, and they couldn't find the name of the fish, and um, all day long at work he was trying to find the fish, like on the internet, and they finally they found the fish. He was so excited, he ran home to tell his son he found the fish, and he went to his wife and went, "We found the fish. We found the fish." He goes. Who was on the show tonight? He goes, I don't remember. <laughs> I probably should quit. <laughs> like I'm like all into this fish and I could give a shit who I just interviewed. I, yeah. I, he told this story on the air. I'm like, why? He goes, maybe it's time for me to go. Like, but I think there was also an internal clock in his brain when Jay was gone. He was like, all right. Yeah. And then it was just like a kitchen timer. Tick, 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 tick. Before well, he, that, could... and he also said, um, uh, him and if you get a chance on YouTube, him and Seinfeld did a roundtable together. Um, it's really great. It's like an hour of them just really talking shop. And he pretty much said, oh, fucking Jimmy Fallon's going to sing and dance and he can do anything. I got to do all that shit now. I'm out of here. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> the, t- the tectonic yeah. plate shifting in late night is pretty unprecedented right it's, now. It's amazing. Everyone's with, gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah with, with Jay going and Jimmy coming in and Seth moving into Jimmy's slot and mm-hmm. John leaving and Stephen going over to Dave and Larry coming in to and Craig John and Craig. Craig, you know, Craig leaving and Corden coming in. I mean, yep. it's just such a it is a and, and and us starting a year and a half ago. Like it's 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 just sort of. Strict. And you guys are in, right? You guys are, are good. Tucked right? away nicely at midnight. <laughs> that, no, that's we good. Have no eleven thirty show to compete with. We have no twelve thirty show to compete with. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. I, I I think you know. I mean, I really is my dream show. It's it's every element of a show that I would ever want to do. So that's cool. I was never. I was never offered the Late Late Show. That was never anything that even came up. But had it been offered to me, I can honestly say I wouldn't have taken it. Because I'm like, no, I already got to show up and running. That's very hard to do. Oh, Happy God. Night. I thought you were going to say that before you got at midnight going, they, had, they were going to offer you and you were saying no. 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 No, no, no. Before, yeah. okay. of course I yes. would have taken uh, it. Yes. But, now, but now, you know, it's, it's a difficult, it's a very difficult format to innovate. Because yeah. there are certain conventions, and you know, fucking Jimmy did it. Like he accessed every facet of his personality, and you know, our midnight's very refillable every night because the comics keep it. They change the games change and the comics change, but that guy has to fucking tap dance and do karaoke every fucking night. Water, and I don't know how he does it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. hey, what's a giant version of a game you played at home? Let's I do just that. Do, I, just like a complete fucking dork, I just emailed him the other night. I'm like, I, I, I don't know how you do it every night. That's, I that's think it's an amazing job and you've completely turned the show around and made it your own and I think that's incredible. Jerry Seinfeld said something. I'm very excited that you're a hit. Uh, he said this to Jimmy Fallon because now we get to find out what weird sex thing you're into. <laughs> it might take 30 years but we're going to find out. We're going to find out what weird shit you do oh i think everyone goes i think everyone goes a little crazy i think he, we goes, need to, he goes you're now in prison and you're about to go nuts because you can't leave here right this is it for 30 years you're stuck here you're gonna do something weird in that office and we're all gonna find out it's kind of it. like radio guys too like when you do the same thing you know the same when you have to do the same mm-hmm. job every day for like 30 years and you can't really miss it and you gotta be there and you always have to be on you I know think you do a great job at, at midnight of sort of like 
processing the show and then whoop, let's do another one. Yeah. Like yeah. just sort of like I'm excited to come to work every day. There's yeah. not one day where I go Oh man, I can't believe I got to go in and do like I yeah. love I absolutely yeah, we've been fortunate my for worst every... day. I'm writing comic books for a living and supporting my family. How bad of a day. Yeah, how bad of a day. It really sucks the whiny shit out of me, which I mean, my well, natural state is the whiny shit. So. You got it. You have to yeah. you You're e- also lucky. We really I yeah, left it's the house insanely this morning lucky. and yeah. I, I just said as I was walking out the door I was like well, I'm gonna go get paid to write dick jokes. Yeah, exactly. and, and it's, I and literally it's, said that sentence. No, I, you it's know, like we all have friends degrees. with real jobs with with real jobs. You're like, woo, yeah. yeah. And people are like, wow, you work a lot of hours. I'm like, hey, it's, I'm not lifting boxes. Yeah. I'm I, sitting there wondering who would win in a fight. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go if you go back and you were to write a letter as your 13 year old self about all the things that you would want oh, to yeah, do, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's a you you I'm sure you far exceeded all the expectations way that, past, that you had. Way, I had a goal, and I'm way past. So let it. me ask you this then: this is this is, this could be an interesting question. Is is you know it, once you go through the ceiling, I mean, you sort of have those ideas of like, well, once I do this, I've made it, and then you do that, and I would imagine in your case it happened fairly quickly. Are you, <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> no, I um, no. I, the feeling of you made it does not does not exist. There's every once in a while you look at something and go, well, I have to, I have to consciously acknowledge that this happened. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, Will Eisner handed me. We have award. like five Eisner he awards. Hand, yeah, he shook my hand and handed me an award. Acknowledge that something nice happened, right? But but I'm just not wired to bask in it on any level, right? Not now, and not that yeah. you. Sh- I mean, I think it's good to take those moments and appreciate them. Yeah, but you can't. You can't. But it's hard to like. I had I had to teach myself that, and thank God I married the right person that helps you with that. Who points and goes, "That was good." I'm like, <laughs> you, you're right. That was good. Well, because yeah. you know, in, in in the business that, and, and I, I assume it's the same in yours, especially because you are a, a, a workhorse as as am I. But you you get so used to getting into putting out fires mode mm-hmm. that when there aren't <laughs> fires, you start being like, do, do I need to build a fire because I got to put out a fire? I mean, like, no, I can make a fire. In two I seconds. can make a fire. I, I, yeah, no problem. Right. You know, listen, a fire is just one tweet away. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can. You know, I can upset eighty thousand X Men. Well, you have a like forum. That. You have a forum too. Like you, you my forum's the, the, gone. I, I shut the. You forum got rid down. of it. I, I used Tumblr instead. I, I found the forum was up for like twenty two years. We were wow. we were a good, Jinx World. Yeah, we were good. That was a really good uh, environment. But I found myself gravitating to Tumblr more. I just liked it more, and 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 eventually just said, "This is I'm going to like lean it all here." Mm-hmm. And just the, you put up artwork that inspires you. You put up like I get so excited, like a new cover comes in, I get to put it up and talk about it, and and I just like the conversation more. But yeah. that and Twitter kind of ruined message boards because sure, you know. You know. But but it was a great 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 uh, conversation place, and uh, the community was fantastic. We had marriages. We had babies oh, came man. out of the marriage. People met on the board. They got married, had babies. Wow. I was immensely proud of that. Yeah, I mean that's really you know all those things. The the way that um, that the stuff that you create trickles down, and like that's part of the DNA that's being passed on. Yeah, in a weird sort it, of way. your seed is inside. Yeah, and this goes back to something you said earlier too. It's 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 um, you know people discover you at a certain time in your career, and then they stay with you. And that is an amazing thing. That is an you've had that too. Like people, you've gone from sure. project to project, and it's and you're like, oh, that dude's still with me. That's awesome, <laughs> right. right? And and it's so special to me. It really, it's it's, it's so special. 
And then for other people, you're like um, that band that breaks. And like, you remember when REM broke and I pissed off all the REM fans? Oh, man, they were right? so mad. Yeah, yeah when that one, when Losing My Religion came no, out and won. Furious. And Tarsim right. directed the music video and they mm-hmm. won all the awards and they were mm-hmm. fucking huge. And all the you people. You used to be great. Now what happened to Radio suck. Free Europe, man? Yeah, you guys suck now. And uh, Yeah, everybody hurts. I fucking hurt. And, and I was like, I remember that happening and thinking, I can't wait for that to happen to me. I would love <laughs> someone to tell me, sell out. I was like, ah, oh, please. Let let it be. So when it happened, I was really excited. But uh, um, yeah, it's just it's just the comics community um, has always it's it, there's there's an interaction that was very unique up until Twitter when everyone can yell at any celebrity. Uh, the only place you could really interact with people who did it for a living was comics or right. country, country music. You can go to country music used to have a convention. You could do that too. But if you you can talk to any comics author that you like. And they're there to talk to you, and it's a wonderful thing. It's absolutely people like to be inside and you know, see what's going on. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, when I was growing up in a pre-internet era, it's exactly what you said, where um, the community was basically there were like five kids in my whole school that were into the same stuff that I was into, and that was sort of our common. It's like we all sort of got scraped into this bin, mm-hmm. and. Um, but if you if you wanted to connect with people beyond that, you either had to go tough. to a comic con or a comic book or shop. The comic buyers letter column that would be the <laughs> place where you felt like there was a community, and it was not a pretty place. So, but now, do you uh, do? Oh, is she having? Is, is Scout having a bad dream? Yeah. Scout is the sweetest. Is he ever going to stop talking about himself? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> my dogs do that when they. You know, so. <laughs> Huh. Just having nightmares. Shut up about Miles Morales. Or- uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. He's just having a dream where where we're just podcasting, mm-hmm. and then he no, wakes I, up. I have two dogs that literally sit there while I do my thing. Oh, really? Yeah. He had the little bunny legs running. Oh, that's sweet. Yep. Yep. What what what's your uh, what is what is your your setup have to be like? What implements and things have to be? Um, I pride myself and 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 I do preach this that. Um, uh, you should be able to do whatever you do for a living. You should be able to do it anywhere with any pen and a piece of paper. Any, you know what I mean? A lot of people go, I can't draw. I don't have my pen. I've seen Alex Ross pull out a ballpoint pen and blow the roof off the place. I've seen Alex Maliev do it. If you can do it, you can do it with anything. In fact, I've seen friends poke their finger and bleed all over it and make some <laughs> cool, like Kent Williams-y cool shit, you know? And so I, I'm the same way. If uh, I have something to write, you know, you know the phone makes it easy too. You can just start taking notes and stuff like that. But um, but in my house, I have a very cool '60s Japanese architect um, table that I found at a garage sale that my wife had refurbished. It's the coolest desk. Nice. I really love love this thing. And uh, I'm there. I got all my all my all my stuff there, and you know the castle of nerd that I built. Yes. And every couple of weeks I buy an IDW artist edition and it's another brick into the tomb that they're going to seal me in. <laughs> and uh, that's that. So, yeah, you know, they've got the comics and the sure. figures and the, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Do you ever have to purge? Do you have to go, okay, I collected a bunch of this and I really need to, or do you move it to, do you have a storage? I thing? rearrange, uh, you know, I, I have, uh, the, the hardest part about writing all this stuff that I do is that the, 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 the comps build up. Like I, sure. have, I get free copies of everything and then, which was the whole point of my life was to get free comics. So it's, it's awesome. But then you have to find, you know, you, you don't want to throw them away or anything. You want to find good homes and charities and stuff for them. So, yeah. Yeah. Is, is comic book collecting now? Is it still, I mean, when I was younger, uh, I feel like it was a thing not everyone was doing. And so there's a lot of, there are a lot of things that are more special now, but now that's much more ubiquitous or is it, be, or is the digital era 
going to make them more valuable. Well, I, I have, I have uh, feelings about this. A, a lot of uh, friends of ours will have nostalgic feelings about hunting for an issue. Mm-hmm. They could never – you don't have to hunt anymore. If you really want it, yeah. someone's selling it on Amazon. The hunt – would take you all across the country. Like, like <laughs> I will find this issue of Avengers if it kills me, right? And uh, so that is gone. I never quite cared for it, to be honest with you. I want what I want when I want it. Right. And so um, what I'm grateful for in the time that I've been making comics is that in the early days, like I'll say Powers as an example. In the early days of Powers, I would get, e- I would get emails or letters. I can't find it. There's nowhere to get it. Um, no, one's, no one here is yeah. selling it. And I would literally try to sell them by hand, you know, you know, but over the course of the years, thank God for everything. No one asks that anymore. They know they, you can get it one way or another. Yeah. You can get anything and they do. And I, we, I was talking to my friends like, isn't that nice? Cause that's all you want is you want people to have your stuff when they want it. Yeah. And when you're an independent guy, it was frustrating because people wanted it. They were reaching out to you to tell you how badly they wanted it. they can't it, get it. they couldn't get it. And it was like, oh. And you think in your head you've decided for every one person that reaches out, there's a thousand more lost souls <laughs> waiting to make me a successful author and the system is failing me. And, but but I, uh, I truthfully uh, love the 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 that you can get whatever you want like today powers came out today uh, on television and boom here's the link boom i love it how great is that yeah 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 i i um i i love to look i mean and also it's very convenient not having to carry a stack of things and just be able to just just go to comicsology like okay i'll buy this this and this and i'm ready to fly i'm ready to get on a plane yeah and i i i it's some People ask you, do you care if it's digital? I don't care if someone projected it on a wall, and that's how you read it. I, I just, uh, you know, read it. You know, I, I format is not; it doesn't matter to did me. Did they make? Did they make any sort of? Um, did they make any comment in either direction whether or not the Spider-Man coming back to the Marvel Universe is gonna? Is it gonna be Miles or is it? Well, gonna... I'm going to change the subject and answer your last question. With, God damn it! Uh, you know what's cool when you get to do this for a living? Everything becomes next level. Like collecting comics for me yes. becomes, uh, uh, instead of hunting down Walt Simonson comics or an Art Adams comic, I actually just did an issue of Guardians of the Galaxy with Art Adams. So that's <laughs> like, so I'm actually, I'm actually, you know. And, that's a whole. And, and, and he was, he killed it. It was like the best thing he's done in 10 years. And uh, and I've worked with Howard Chaikin and I've worked with <laughs> Alan Davis and that was a really pleasure. There and me and Klaus Jansen and Bill Sienkiewicz and David Mack did a Daredevil run together. I'm like, yeah. So it's so that you realize you're not doing it like consciously, but then you like you're now collecting. You're collecting real dudes. Humans. Yeah. <laughs> you're collecting humans. And uh, and but that's that's cool. And then working on the Marvel movies, like I get to read them and see them before all of my friends. And isn't that the point? That really is the point because then you can lord that over them because it makes you a little bit better than they are. It's even better. I'm not allowed to even tell them I've seen it. So I'll have like – we'll have people over for dinner and lo and behold because we're nerds, they'll be – I'll talk about I wonder which Spider-Man is going to show up in the Marvel Universe and they'll look at me and I'll go – because <laughs> I'm not allowed to say anything, and so, and that's even better because it's I'm not being a dick. I'm not allowed to say, but it's a dick move. It is. It yeah. is. So I'm I just saying Donald Glover will be great. I'm sure you haven't heard that before, but uh, uh, you know, I, lo- I love him. We we um they cast him as the voice of Miles in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon on Disney XD, and he killed it. Yeah. So that we felt. I mean, are we going to see a white-tailed spider or a brown recluse? So we are going to. Um, <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about anything Spider-Man related, but okay. uh, what I know is very, very cool. 
Oh, good. I was, I was, uh, I was really happy with what I, what, what I've been shown. I think so. you'll find the truth serum that was placed into your water is quite inescapable. <laughs> this Mr. time, Bendis. he's a Hasidic Jew. You understand the uh, powers of Spider-Man. <laughs> the Marvel Comics non-disclosure agreement. Mm-mm, no, can, what? It Spider-Man? Can Spider-Man? Completely. It's not outperforming. They're probably pretty cool with that, right? They're probably oh, yeah, cool yeah, yeah. with these. No, what's his face? At the Disney best, can't uh, lawyer up. <laughs> I think Sam Sam Jackson. Uh, um, I think he was on the talk show and he said something. If I say one more word, you're going to see like a red dot on my head. <laughs> this is, you know, and then you're going to see a goofy on a red tower going. Exactly, 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 exactly. Take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> and Darth Vader standing over them both. <laughs> no, it's cool, and and that job particularly uh, mixing in the teaching. Uh, on Friday, and then adding in the, um, you, you know, just watching these great writers and directors work their process over these characters that we all love, and just watch them make their choices. It's you know, it's like basics and advanced. You know, watching Joss Whedon make his choices, and then seeing how they all plan out. Yeah, it's fascinating, and it, it's made me a tremendous. It's tr- helped me tremendously. Well, I'm glad that these two storytelling words aren't segregated anymore. That everything is starting to. It's all story. It's all. It's all. It's all telling a story. It's all people want to escape their shit for 20 minutes, and our job is to do that. So, so your book, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Words for Pictures: The Art and Business of Writing Comics and Graphic Novels, is available now. Now. Uh, it's from Random House 10 Speed Press. It's on Amazon Kindle. It's on the. It's in the bookstores. Barnes and Noble's you been carrying them very select nice. University bookstores in Portland. Yes, yeah, so, well, no, they're sold out there. I, oh. I, I, and, smells uh, great. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got um, many, many, many of the greatest um, artists and editors and writers of comics uh, sharing their philosophies and opinions and artwork that you've never seen before. The two best chapters in there were almost like a, a throwaway. One is an artist's roundtable, and one is an editor's roundtable. And they are asked the same five questions, and the answers were surprising to myself and to everyone in comics who read them, which is, do you like full script, or do you like like Marvel style? Do, what, what, what is the worst thing a writer ever did to you? Uh, and, and, and their answers oh, were... fascinating. Their answers changed me as a writer. Like, I, I changed my shit. When I, re- when I read it. Well, I hope that you uh, periodically take some time to look back and go, hey, actually, I've done some pretty cool shit. And, uh, uh, oh, I finally got on this damn podcast. You finally got finally on the podcast. finally crawled my way into the, the nerd podcast. You know, if I knew, if I knew you were uh, an Oregonian, uh, we could have done the. I, I go to Portland a handful of times a year. You could fill a year's worth of podcasts by coming to Portland. You, could get, you can get your shit done like... In a weekend, and then just take a break, and then yeah. just take a break. You could do it like they do. They Into they do it. Wheel of Fortune, just film a bunch and then <laughs> go play golf. Oh, for we six are months. so close to being on the Sajak schedule. It is not even funny. Seriously, there there is fascinating, amazing people. He's Polinek. You just you could just on and on and on. Sage, oh, but side note, Sajak's going to melt down big time on television at some point. Oh, for sure, oh, absolutely. He's, yeah, he leaks. He kind of has already. Like, you, see, you, it see, up. you see, like. You see, like, bolts popping out of the dam. But they they took his little... Twitter away, so, you know. What, what, he tweeted something nuts, he tweeted right? some. He's tweeted some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, tweeted yeah. some crazy he's stuff. About, like, just turn the letters and shush. I think yeah. it's a game show host thing. They all get a little... You know what it is? I think it's doing... I, I Honestly, I think it's having to be this persona... Hey, there's nothing real here decades, at all. decades. Yeah. For decades. Like, the only person that seemed like it didn't kind of fuck him up too much was Bob Barker. Like, he seemed... <laughs> he was... <laughs> He seemed kind of okay, right? 
All he's thinking about is spading neutering my pets. Yeah, he yeah. just wants to make sure your pets don't <laughs> impregnate each other. He just wants to cut off the he's balls. He's thinking about of your animal pets. junk a lot when yeah. he's at work. Yeah. I never think about it that much at work. He, anyway. uh, and then, you know, I think, who was I talking to that, um, God, someone who was on the podcast was talking about when, uh, when Carson quit, like, that was it. He just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Just didn't, yep. Didn't crave it anymore. No. Didn't have to, you know. Fascinating. Night after. Did you ever night. watch that American Masters uh, show on him on the on PBS on, on, on Carson? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, was fa- it really was yeah. fascinating. But I think it didn't even delve as as far as it it could have gone. But there were definitely traces mm-hmm. of you know um, that. I think if he liked you, he was probably pretty cool. But he was also, I think, I think it was one of the things like, I don't know if anyone ever really knew Johnny. And yeah. I don't think he was. I worry about Letterman when he gets off the air. Just like. <laughs> you know what, though? The reason I'm not worried about Letterman is because he's got a kid, right? Letterman so is that'll... going to fuck everything that moves. When he gets <laughs> <off the air. laughs> Letterman is going to go on a tear that they're going <laughs> to. He's gonna wake up. Bill Carter's gonna have a whole other book on his hands. Just, great, uh, great last show. Did I just get fucked? Like, <laughs> someone's gonna. He that's a, the one show. He, he had a, like like uh, Stern talked about this. Letterman had to close his sex room at work. He had a room for sex, and they took it away from him. Sorry, what's going on over there? Well, any room can be a sex room. I, mean, it's I like, know, you but know, he had a room specifically. If you're really, yeah. yeah, I know, but it's just like what you said. If you're really good at it, you can do it anywhere. <laughs> Oh, I didn't. I didn't brought it all home. I didn't bring my dick. I'm sorry. I didn't bring my. You could. You could fuck with any dick. I saw Alex Ross fuck with a ballpoint pen. (laughs) Alex Maleev. Anyway, Brian, it's good to see you, man. Thank you so much for coming. Don't forget to watch Powers. Yeah, don't forget to watch Powers. PlayStation.com/slash/powers. It's there. You don't need a PlayStation to watch it. You you have a PlayStation. You you can watch it on that. Watch it on the PlayStation. If you got PlayStation Plus account, it is free. Fantastic. So many, Whoa. many, many people have that. I believe and it's just, I do. I do. It's got so a free thing. It will therefore be free to me. Guys, I'm not paying shit for this. Besides <laughs> cool. what I already paid for. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. By the way, I love that. I love that people who already have it are just getting it. Yeah. That makes me happy. I'm into it's, it. Yeah, that's cool. Cool, man. Good All to right, see thank Enjoy you. Enjoy your much. burrito. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them, In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.